losses that you are experiencing right now because of our current COVID-19 realities. I was out for a walk the other night with the family and, and we, were, we were chatting about the various ways that this pandemic has affected our lives and, and all of a sudden the thought crossed me and I, I looked at my little guy Caleb and I said, Caleb, we're not going to get to share a baseball season together this year. And I was surprised how in that moment there was a deep feeling of sadness that welled up within me. I was surprised at the degree of, of grief, the degree of angst that I felt over that. I love baseball a lot, and this was going to be the first season that my two little guys, uh, Caleb and Lukey, were going to be taking part in the minor baseball program here in Zurich, and, and I was going to be helping out with, with the team, and I, I was quite excited about this, and, and the way things are shaping up, more than likely, we will not have a baseball season together. And I, I thought about it, I was like, man, like, this sucks. There are other areas of my life in which I've been experiencing loss. I'm an extrovert, so I'm energized by being out and about. And so there's been a sense of loss and sadness because I'm stuck in, uh, stuck in the same place all day long. I've also noticed that I've been grumpier lately with, with my family, unfortunately. Oftentimes when we're, we're home all day long with those ones we love the most and it's easy to become irritable and, and snappy, I'm like, man, I've, I've been grumpier than maybe I would otherwise. And, and as I noticed that, I was like, man, this, this really sucks. Another loss that I've been feeling the weight of is I've become aware of, of a couple of families around me who, because parents are working on the front lines, they've had to make decisions where their kids are going off to live with grandparents so that they're not with their parents, so that the kids can be safe from any potential contact with the COVID-19 virus. It's like, wow, like that's, that's heavy stuff. These are tough decisions that people are having to make. And just thinking like, our lives are gonna be altered in vast ways in the coming weeks. And I think we need to call a spade a spade and say, this, this just plain sucks. It's not fun. At the same time, we think about it, and what we've experienced is minimal yet at this point compared to what they've had to endure in China, in Wuhan, in northern Italy, in New York City right now. And we don't know how things are going to shape up, but it is a reality that we also are experiencing pain and loss during this time. Now, you might be thinking, hey, aren't you a pastor? Aren't you supposed to be offering words of hope and words of encouragement? Aren't you supposed to be speaking on behalf of God, the good news of, of Jesus? Like what's with dwelling on this, this negativity and this reality that we're, we're in difficult circumstances and that it sucks right now? Well, all of that is true. I am going to be, I have been, will be offering lots of words of hope along the way. I won't just be dwelling on the negative. However, I also believe that there's an important place for us to express pain and frustration and angst about what we are experiencing now. It's a-okay for you to tell God about the despair that you are feeling, the pain, the frustration. It turns out you don't have to keep it together for God. It turns out God actually welcomes your expressions of frustration. And it's called lament. Lament is defined as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And there's a whole lot of lament that takes place in the Bible. 
In the Bible, there's a section called Psalms. Psalms is made up of 150 poems, some of them that are, were written to be set to music, but 150 poems. One-third of those poems all have some form of lament within them. One-third have words that directly express angst, that passionately display grief and sorrow. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations, where it's several chapters of pouring out discouragement, pouring out fear, pouring out grief, and, and just sheer um, displeasure with the way that things were unfolding. And, and basically, it's these, these people whom their city has been overtaken by another nation. They've been forced into exile. Life as they knew it have, has been destroyed. And this book is written as a way of expressing their angst, as a way of lamenting. Jesus himself expressed lament. He was the perfect human, but he was not above lamenting himself. When his friend Lazarus dies, Jesus cries. He weeps in that scene. When Jesus is looking out in another scene over the city of Jerusalem, he weeps over the spiritual state of that town. He laments what he sees in the lives of the people. When Jesus begins heading toward the cross... He pauses to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before his death. He pours his heart out to God. He is so stressed that he is dripping, he is sweating drops of blood in those moments. And he says, God, would you please take this cup? Would you take this experience from me so that I don't have to suffer? And then later on, when he's hanging on the cross, about to die, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are painful words of lament. I invite you to turn with me in Psalm chapter 13. This is a marvelous uh, expression of lament that we have in the Bible. It's written by David. And it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Then my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Do you see that? Do you see that right in the very words of Scripture, there is pain and anguish expressed? It's a-okay to pour out your feelings, no matter how negative they might be, to God. Are you feeling angry right now? Are you feeling despair? It's okay to tell God. Suffering is a part of the human experience. We live in a world that is broken because of sin. Because evil is within the, the, within the universe, we experience pain. This is not the way that it should be, but we live in a broken earth. 
And sometimes it just plain doesn't make sense. I ask the questions. I say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, we've been praying over and over and over again that you would fix this situation, but you're not responding. I don't know what it means, God, for you to be with me in this moment of suffering. God, I don't understand, but what does it mean for you to be with those individuals as they breathe their last breaths while um, hooked up to a respirator? Some of these things don't make sense. I do not have easy answers for them. The scriptures offer insight, but they do not provide easy answers to these questions. They offer insight, but they don't offer exact answers into situations of this sort. Sometimes it's a matter that there is mystery and confusion. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to say to God, this royally sucks. We can't just keep going on, heads held high, stiff upper lip, acting as if nothing is affecting us, pretending like everything is tickety-boo. The biblical characters paused and they expressed their sorrow and their anguish. David said, God, how long are you going to let this last? Will this be the case forever? He said, God, how long are you going to hide your face from me? It seems like you've disappeared from the scene. How long is this for? It's important that we as people in this time join in this cry of lament. And so we need to learn from the scriptures how to lament well. The first piece is we need to pour out, passionately express our despair and our grief. The second part in good lament is calling on God for help. Even though God seems distant, even though the psalmist wonders if he's even going to get a response, they just keep asking. And actually, I feel like my kids are pretty good at this. Sometimes dad's uh, deep in his thoughts. He's often in la-la land, and the kids are asking me for something, and they ask, and they ask, and they ask. And who knows if they're ever going to get a response, because I'm lost in my own little world. And yet they keep asking out of some hope that God, sorry, some hope that I might respond I think that's a good lesson for us. God is benevolent. He is wise. He is kind. We don't understand all of the reasons why he acts. We don't understand why he does what he does and when he does what he does. But we're called to keep on asking, even if God might seem like he's far away. And that's what David does here. He asks over and over and over again. He says, look on me and answer. He says, give light to my eyes. He keeps on asking for relief. When you lament, when you ask God for help in the midst of your lament, it's a great place to renew your faith in God. Faith means that we don't see the whole picture. Faith means we don't completely understand everything. But we trust anyways. Even if that's trust, that's in the midst of frustration. A fellow named Mark Rogoff says that praying in lament turns us toward God in our sorrow rather than being drawn by the temptation to run away. 
The third piece of lamenting well is to remember the big picture. Remember this, what you are experiencing now is not the whole story. The grief and the loss that you will feel in the coming weeks as we navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. This is not the whole story. This is a season within your life. This is a season within human history. Know that if, as you've experienced times of goodness, there have been other people in other circumstances throughout the world that have been feeling terror much worse than what we see now. And yet we see around that the goodness of God. We see the big picture. And the psalmist does this. The psalmist knows that God is the king of the whole universe. And so the psalmist says, I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in salvation. Even though I can't see it now, even though this doesn't make sense, I'm still going to find joy in the saving work of God. I trust in these truths. I'm rooted in this great big story. So even though we suffer, we know that we have a God who has joined us in our suffering. Jesus became like us and he died on our behalf. There, he, our creator, took our sin upon himself and experienced deep anguish. And so he can identify with us in the pain that we feel. At the cross, because he carried our sin, he has set us free so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have life forever. And through his resurrection, we also see that God has defeated the power of evil. This is the big story. This is the story that tells us that even in the midst of these immediate experiences of pain, that there's a greater reality and something better is coming. He defeated evil then. He will defeat all that's broken in the world again one day to set everything fully and finally right. God is in the business of saving. God is in the business of giving life forever to anybody who asks. And so we can hope in this. We trust in the big story. N.T. Wright does a good job of adding context to this when he says, Remember, when we have hope, this does not explain the trouble that we find ourselves in, but it does provide reassurance within it. So the big story doesn't necessarily explain everything you're experiencing now, but it does set it within a big picture that gives you reassuring hope that it's going to be better that ultimately everything is going to be okay. As you hold on to that truth that we're a part of a bigger story, I want you to make sure that you still lament. Don't rush past the expression of your pain and anguish to get to the hopeful story. Sit with your lament. It's so important. I believe that learning to lament well has a healing effect in our lives. A fellow named Michael Yunin says, um, he tells a story of a family that lost a child in a boating accident. And he says when he officiated that funeral, when he cared for the family during that time, there was a ton of emphasis on the resurrection work of Jesus. There was a lot of pressure, he said, to make sure that the focus was on the new life in heaven that this child had. And any sense of grief, any sense of confusion, any anger and frustration was suppressed and set aside in favor of the focus on the resurrection. And he talks about how there was no lament. No lament, even though they lost their dear child in this boating accident. 
Unin goes on to say that almost a year later, the family almost tore itself apart because of the pain that they were experiencing. The pain that they had suppressed, that they had stuck inside and said, we can't express this because we're hopeful, began to work itself out in other far more destructive ways. Rather than if it had been poured out in purposeful, intentional, under the grace and mercy of God, direct expressions of lament, that would have been far healthier. We need to lament. In a time like this, I cannot lead in a way that is entirely happy-clappy. I can't stand in front of you with a big smile saying that everything is going to be fine and you just need to trust in God. Two weeks ago, I invited you to consider how COVID-19 is challenging us to place our trust in new ways in God. Last week, I invited you to consider the, the, um, the work that God wants to do in your heart, transforming you through this experience. And I invited you to devote yourselves to prayer. Those were two more hopeful messages. This one might feel more dour. I'm not sure. But to be faithful to the call of the scriptures, to be faithful about to how God wants to lead us, I need to invite you today to lament. Because this is a real part of our experience. This is also the first time in which we're experiencing lament communally. Many of us have, have had grief that we've walked through, but usually it's on an individual basis, or maybe with a few of the people around us. The death of a loved one, perhaps a divorce, perhaps uh, incredible sickness, but we grieve those things, but usually on a much smaller scale. This is the first time, I think, in all of our lives in which we will be lamenting something that is affecting all of us on a wider societal level. All of us in our broader community. 9-11 might be comparable, but I don't think the level that, that, that this will affect us compares to how 9-11 affected us here in Canada at that time. We will be lamenting communally. How are you going to do this together? I invite you this week to take some time to share your thoughts of angst with God. I invite you to think about maybe what are three things, three adjustments you're having to make, three things you're sad about, three things you're actually angry about, and name them and tell them to God. Say, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't understand this. If it feels disrespectful, pour it out to God. He is big enough to carry that, and he invites you to do so. If you want to take it another step further, I invite you to write out a lament. Grab a piece of paper. Your grammar can be terrible. Your spelling can be terrible. Nobody has to see it, but write it out. Write a poem or write a couple sentences expressing what you feel. During this time for us to proceed in healthy ways, for us to receive the full healing presence of God, I think that we need to rediscover the art of lament. I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you as you seek to do this well, maybe for the very first time. How are you going to passionately express your sorrow and grief to God? What we're experiencing right now royally sucks. 
It's hard. And it's okay to tell God how that feels for you. I invite you in the next number of minutes to join with me in praying two prayers for lament. I'm going to pause for a space of quietness between the two. And I invite you just, just to hold that silence and just to personally communicate with God. The first one is written by Trina Doffelmeyer. Hear our cry, Almighty God. Listen to our prayer. How long are we going to have to hide in our homes for this invisible enemy? Where is it going to strike next? And whom? And what if? Our screens relay a continuous escalation of suffering and death around the world. Panic and anxiety abound. Our souls are weary from the strain of life-altering unknowns. Heavenly Father, from the depths of our pain and confusion, we cry to you. From fear-filled hearts and anxious minds, we plead with you, rescue us, Father of compassion and grace. We lift our eyes to you, Lord God, the one who sits enthroned in heaven. This second prayer is written by Jenna Smith. Lord, who sees all and knows all, we lament today for a world gone wrong. We cry over the loss of life. We lament over those who are sick and grieving the loss of loved ones. We cry for tired health care workers, for leaders who need to make difficult decisions. For the fatigued parents and for the social services in our city, in our county. We ache for those who have created life in our county. For the small businesses, the entrepreneurs, the restaurants, the athletes, the nonprofits, and the churches, and who are facing economic hardships now. We're mindful of the most vulnerable, the homeless, the lonely, the refugee. And we lament that often it's those who are the least of these who are the hardest hit. We bring to you our frustrations due to our interruptions, our disappointment due to our canceled plans and our anxiety over this pandemic and our angst with what feels like silence from you in this time of suffering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our were meant. Amen. Thank you very much.